0: rather be up here, actually, uh, than than in the front seat. But he's he's generously uh, given us his pulpit from time to time, and I take that uh, privilege very seriously. So my name is David Fielding, but Pastor Jim Andrews is our senior pastor. If you are visiting, and we're glad to have you, I'm glad to have everybody. If you're visiting, if you've been here 26 years, we're so glad to have you. Um, we're going to get into the text in 1 John chapter 1 as a platform text, and I'll be explaining that um, in a moment. But before we do, I just want to crystallize for you uh, really what I'm going to talk to you about today. Fellowship with God. See, it's great that Laura got in the baptismal waters because it signifies that she got saved. It's great that Deonza and um, Adam got married on February 19th because it signifies that they've, they've committed their lives to fellowship for the rest of their lives in marriage. But we all know, particularly because I speak to a host of believers who are mature, <laughs> that we have to answer that question every day, now what? <laughs> I got married to you, now what? <laughs> I gave my life to Jesus. Now what? Or another way to say it, not trying to be offensive, so what? Laura gave her life to Jesus and got baptized. So what? Why did he come? First John chapter one in the introductory four verses is going to answer that question for fellowship with God. We could have fellowship with our creator. So we're going to that's the crystallizing focus that I'll be repeat repeating fellowship with God before we go any further. Why don't we pray? Father, we want to come before you not in vain ritual for in Isaiah one. It says that you hate that uh, you're not interested in chance uh, repetition or idle frivolous chatter from your creatures. No, God, you would just assume us be silent and weep at your feet, which we'll see in a moment. A woman did. And you appreciated it greatly. Today, as we come into your presence or we come with song, we come with claps, we come with prayers. Maybe we come with pain. Maybe we come with sin. But we come to you and we ask you, living God, let us fellowship with you today. Let our hearts be open, our minds be stimulated, our resolve be encouraged to pursue you as a person. Not just a person, but the almighty God who became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, we are not here Sunday after Sunday to just sing to the overhead projector, but to sing to the God who made every atom and molecule. We would pray right now that your spirit would help me proclaim your truth But also that your spirit would help those in the sound of my voice hear you. We want to relate to you. We want to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. And because we take this privilege, I know that myself and Brian Overholt and John Dotson and others who get the privilege uh, take it very seriously. Preparation begins uh, a while ago. Uh, Pastor Jim affords us these dates. And so in my preparation and in my introduction, I will share just a little glimpse of where I'm at when I prepare to speak to you, where I want to be. Sometimes I'm not quite there. There's no haughtiness in it. There's no there's no need for you to go out and give me a high five afterwards. I need to expose to you the humanness of my substance in preparation, because I want you to expose yourself before the Lord, how you're going to relate to him. That's the purpose of this. So this journal entry will be my introduction and it's concise. I'm embarking on a journey. A journey which I do not know the destination, but I do know its focus. God. I want to know this God who saved me. I want to walk with him and talk with him and believe in him and obey him. I want to delight in him and satisfy, satisfy myself in his presence. I do not yet know what the living God would have me preach on this time, but I do know that whatever it is that I want to live it, not just speak it. God, please help me be the real deal. Transform me by the renewing of my mind as I read your word and meditate on your truth. Let us do that today as we journey in his word and think about fellowship with God. It is that beautiful. It is that enlivening, and as we'll see, Jesus Christ substantially came in the flesh so that we could have fellowship with him. Let's go to our text today in 1 John chapter 1, and we'll be reading the first four verses. As I mentioned a few moments ago, it will be a platform text. We'll spend a few minutes in that text, and we'll discuss some things that are important. Uh, I've already preluded to the, the, the central focus that we may have fellowship with God. But then we're going to launch out, if you will, into other texts that illustrate three forms of fellowship with God, which we can apply in our day-to-day life. Three biblical illustrations of fellowship with God. So that's where we're going. Um, and so we can track together. Amen. Let's, let's begin. First John chapter one, verses one through four. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. Some translations may say your joy. So he's saying this introduction and he gives us the reason why he's going to write the letter to believers so that they may have fellowship with God. So I am preaching a sermon primarily to believers so that you may deepen your understanding and your delight in fellowshipping with the God who saved you. We'll get to those who are with us today who may not yet be believers That will conclude our time together. So as we hear that, there's a few things that I want to emphasize. Life showed up and it was more than a good idea. Life showed up and it was more than a list of moral commands. Life showed up and it was more than a way to meet our physical needs. Life showed up, and it was a person. More than a person, the living God made flesh. His name is Jesus Christ, and he came so you could have fellowship with him and his father. What we're not going to do this morning is spend a lot of time on the reality of fellowship with one another. Not because it lacks significant importance in the movement of that letter. Many of you will know you'll get the famed Dead eyes confrontations if you say you love God who you haven't seen and you hate your brother who you have you're a liar But we're not for the sake of time I have to edit make an editorial choice. We're going to proceed with the focus of fellowship with God And the reason for putting our active fellowship with God in primary focus is that when we do this in our day-to-day lives Our active fellowship with one another will strengthen It's hard for me to hate you when i'm praying for you in other words Before we leave First John to examine some of these biblical illustrations of fellowship, some distinct ways we can fellowship with our God, it'll be helpful for us to consider two questions. The first one is about John's introduction. Why did John, who many would agree, be the apostle who lay his very head on the chest of Jesus during the Last Supper, very intimate with the person of Jesus, refer to him 11 times in three verses... As one might refer to an inanimate object. Did you catch the, the phrases there? I know you might not have been up you know, early and eager counting words. But, but it's not about semantics here. It's peculiar that he says that. Which. It. The. When he seems to be exclaiming the reality of this personal connection. Those are words you would talk about a thing. That chair. The TV. Right? We'll get to that. That's a question. The first reason that he does this is to drive home the truth that Jesus Christ, as I said earlier, was not a mere idea, but that he had substance. Sometimes when you phrase the same truth in a different way, it creates a different result. Right? So, so he is introducing this letter to believers primarily, and we'll get to the second reason, But just like us, they're caught up in the culture of the time. They're affected by the work in the marketplace, by family life, just like you. Maybe some of your thoughts right this very moment are distracted about what you have to do tomorrow. What's going to happen that, you know, with a relationship that's estranged. They were just normal, real people like you and I. And he comes at them in a peculiar fashion, referring to the Jesus Christ who made flesh as a that, as a witch. Why does he do that? He wants you to know that he is not just an apparition. He is not just a philosophy. Jesus Christ cannot be reduced to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You can quote that in different kindergartens and preschools. But you'll never know our fellowship with Jesus if that's what you think he is. You can actually, for those of us who are learned in the faith, we find great, and Pastor Jim challenges on this, we find great comfort in our creedal, doctrinal confessions. That's a fancy way of saying, I was taught what was right, and I can repeat what was right. So what? That's important. It's important, but if Jesus Christ is reduced to a doctrinal statement for you, how do you have fellowship with a doctrinal statement? You can't. How do you have fellowship with a list of moral commands? You can't. My wife is in the front row. I'm really glad to have her. And, and many of you know she's a, a great baker. You've, uh, that's a statement about her. If you don't know, now you do. <laughs> well, that's, thanks Dave for that. I don't know why you're inter- interrupting the sermon for that. Thanks. That, that, that did me no good. My point. My point. It's a truth about her. It's only good. But 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 if she can't be reduced to just a good baker and furthermore, if you don't have any of her tasty treats, you really don't even know. And you're not benefiting from that truth. But she's much more than that. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's a daughter of God. She's a friend. She's an intellect. She's a creator. She's much more. And as I fellowship with her, I get to appreciate that. Right. And so, yes, doctrine matters. Yes, foundational truth matters. But it better launch you into fellowship or it doesn't matter. He writes this to you, not so that you'll be excessively learned, but so that you'll have fellowship with the one who came. And he does it in a peculiar way to awaken us to that reality. Secondly, and here goes my two-minute history lesson and religious world lesson. And that way we'll get back to the other biblical illustrations. Gnosticism. I sound smarter just because I said that you you also should feel smarter because you heard it Gnosticism really i've done a lot of research and people who I speak to in an audience like pastor jim have a lot more knowledge Under their belt than I and some of you uh, in this area may as well So i'm going to give you the 37 second version The greek word gnosis is knowledge and just like today, because Gnosticism is alive and well and prevails in our churches and it prevails in our universities and it prevails in our families. And it prevails in the general ethos of anybody who's a descendant of Adam and Eve. Huh, that'd be you. And it basically means this knowledge can be my salvation. Furthermore, secret knowledge. Not a person. Do you get the distinction? Not someone who claim in the flesh. See, that's too silly. That confounds the musings of the philosophies. It says, let knowledge serve the city on a a bridge in Portland State University's campus, downtown Portland. But what if I said, I want you to know the God who made you, and you can. His name is Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh. He died for your sins. He rose for your freedom. And he did this so you can have fellowship with him. They would say that's foolishness. Because they think that That's diametrically opposed to knowledge and knowledge is some form of salvation in and of itself. And so that is another reason why John opened up this letter because Gnosticism was kind of encroaching upon the early church and it was kind of just a mixture of philosophies and teachings that would usually denounce the incarnation, usually denounce the simplicity of the gospel. Because really what you needed was a secret kind of knowledge to save you. And so uh, John is, is exemplifying and clearly stating, this is someone I've touched. Now you and I can't declare that. I have not touched Jesus Christ in the flesh, nor would I profess to. But I believe in him as John does. And John touched him. Let me say it to you this way. Jesus Christ is a person. Do you want to fellowship with him? See, when I think of Jesus Christ as a person, oh, is he God? Absolutely. Is he the son of God? I concur. Is he the bread of life? Yes. But sometimes those phrases somehow don't awaken in me the simple reality that he is a person who lives, breathes, thinks, thinks feels, creates, and I can have fellowship with him today. And that's why he came. I didn't marry Wendy so I could know she's a good baker and make a reference point to it in my sermon. I married Wendy so I could have fellowship with her for the rest of my life. Laura didn't get saved just to be forgiven for her sins. She got saved so she could have fellowship with God who is holy And if she didn't have forgiveness for her sins, she couldn't have fellowship with God who's holy. So we as believers are strengthened by John's introduction to have fellowship with the God who came in the flesh. Amen. Now let's look at three examples from the Bible that are distinctive in nature that have fellowship with God at their heart. Three ways That we can engage in fellowship with our God. There are many more. This is not an exhaustive list. But we don't have an exhaustive amount of time. The first is found in Revelation chapter 4. Verses 9 through 11. You can turn there if you'd like. They can put it on the overhead. Or you can just listen to me read it to you. This for those of you who aren't familiar. Is a scene in the throne room of heaven. And the great revelation to the apostle John. Interestingly enough the same author. Who wrote first John. Okay so he. He sees the throne of heaven in a vision. And this is what he sees. Related to this sermon. Whenever the living creatures. Give glory honor and thanks to him. Who sits on the throne. And who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders. Fall down before him. Who sits on the throne. And worship him. Who lives forever and ever? They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let us practice fellowship with God on our face in adoration of who He is. In the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, one of the definitions of worship is to adore on one's knees. Now, I am not insensitive to what many of you are thinking. I had knee surgery last week, preacher. Are you a legalist, preacher? What are you trying to impose upon me, Pharisee? Posture isn't what matters. And that's all very well and good, and that's true. And I'm not about to make a big, fantastic point That you need to physically bow your knees to fellowship with God. I'm about to illustrate from that throne room vision that a proper response and a joyous fruit of fellowshipping with your creator is to be on your knees physically or in your heart. Do you fellowship with God on your face, figuratively or otherwise? I'm a physical guy and I grew up in a prison cell in my faith in a wool blanket and concrete and I just like to tactilely get down on my face. Maybe you think the germs will get you or maybe you had back surgery. That doesn't matter. But what does matter is we need to fellowship with God and adoration of who he is. That has to be a key ingredient In our relationship. Do you adore him? Dictionary.com says. Adoration is the act of paying honor. As to a divine being. Worship. Reverent homage. These are words we don't like. In in, in the declaration of independence. Right? Homage. You you hear that a lot in the streets. I can't wait to pay homage to someone. You hear hear that a lot Starbucks? Fervent devoted love. I'm 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 encouraging you. I'm not even challenging you. I'm simply deriving from First John the idea of fellowship with God is why He came, and then scooting over to Revelation and saying, "Do you, do you adore Jesus? Do you just spend time praising and worshiping Him for who He is? Is that a daily part of your fellowship with God? That's not even a challenge, and you don't even have to answer me." Because I'm nobody but I tell you that to the degree that I am doing that my heart and my desire to then follow him in difficult ways obey him when it's tough increases mightily I would ask you to consider fellowshipping with God on your face figuratively or not I take you now from heaven's throne room to the streets of Israel and a weeping woman. And then to a prayer closet of a broken king. You can turn like I said, if you like, to uh, the gospel of Luke. And in Luke's gospel, in the seventh chapter, we'll read a small portion of this illustration. Let us practice fellowship with God in confession of our sins. Let us practice fellowship with God in confession of our sins. Chapter 7, verse 36 and following reads, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. (laughs) I just, I I just get amazed every time I read that. I just, have have you, have, have any one of us ever come close to that? 48, we are skipping intentionally to verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I just have to pause because there is a little emotion in reading that rendition of a real human being who bowed before a real Jesus who came in the flesh and wept at his feet and wiped his feet with her hair and tears. I, I, I see a deep intimacy revealed there. Do you not? I see a fellowship revealed there. Let us practice fellowship with God by confessing our sins. Let's move now to that broken king in his prayer closet in Psalm 51. Many of you know whom I refer to. If you do not, it's King David, often accredited as the author of this psalm. After he committed a very grievous sin against God, more than one, and was confronted by prophet Nathan. But here it goes in Psalm 51. We'll read a small portion. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. How 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 do you find a fresh sense of God's unfailing love and mercy if you're not keeping short accounts with him? How do you do that? And and I'm not going to make a joke here. Some of you used to be making humorous remarks. It's not time for a joke to consider. Maybe we we don't have sins. If you read first John later in that same chapter, he then would call us a liar. So let's not joke about that. Let's just ask, do we find sweet, refreshing in keeping short accounts with our God? ...fellowshipping him in confession. Do not, verse verse 10, we're going to move down to in Psalm 51... ...create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. My wife and I, and I'm sorry, babe, that you know you have to be married to me... ...but, uh, uh, you know, uh, because up front she's more of a private person, see... Um, But but I'll be I'll be I'll be short. You know, I I find marriage to be something I'm five years in in June and 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 it puts me on my knees more than I'd like to admit. And 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 uh, and she she has a good way of of pointing out when I'm in my flesh. I know you, you thought I never was in my flesh that I just kind of prayed all day uh, and quoted Psalms to my children at dinner. But but actually there are times when when I'm in my flesh and and I, I don't much want to get out of it. And she point that out to me and, and usually I don't like it. Um, But 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 I have to I have to confess not only to God, but to her. And usually usually it goes something like this. I know I know none of you will relate to this. Uh, but this is a time for, for, for you just to make fun of me behind closed doors. Um, have you ever uh, have you ever uh, apologized and tried to reconcile four times in an evening? Because each time that you've done it, you, you were still trying to hold on to your point? Okay, okay, no, nobody's awake. Let me let me frame it to you a different way. You, you're, not, you're not quite with me. You're not quite with me. My point is, you, you think I'm just talking about our marriage. We're going to God here in a moment. You know, babe, um, when I said it like that, what, what, I, what I really meant, what I was trying to get across, was see that that that's strike one. Um, no, but when I when I kind of popped off at the lip and there was that tone of harshness, what what really was going on at work was strike two. No, but see but see what I need to tell you is I'm tired, and I and, and here's 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 really the strike three. I just whiff whiff the babe. I do so much. Right? You ever, you ever tried to reconcile when there's a rift? When, when you when you lead with that, I know the ladies are like, "Boy, you got a lot to learn, boy." I do, and 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 it always, always. And finally, after some more prayers and circles and wrestling, I come back. I say, "Babe, I I, I just want to be reconnected in fellowship. Whatever it takes, whatever kind of humble pie you got to cook up, give me a big old piece because I just miss that fellowship with you." I just want things to be good between us. And that's what we do when we fellowship with God in the practice of confession of our sins. It's not beating us down and acting as if, oh, I'm not saved today because I cursed somebody in traffic. And, oh, I'm going to get repent. We're not talking about nonsense. We're secure in our salvation if we're in Christ. But what we're talking about is the fellowship with God through the regular practice of confessing our sins to him. And not saying... Because it applies to God, I've done it. Sorry, I have to admit that. Well, God, you know, <clears throat> I've done a lot for you this week. Oh, that's not a good idea. Well, well, God, you know, I, I, I just—they were really out of line, and so the bitterness that I'm harboring is pretty justified. Even though you said don't harbor bitterness, because out of it uh, uh, springs a root that many become defiled. Hebrews twelve. But 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 I just don't ignore that. Just they were really quite, and you get the point. And so so we have this woman and we have this king who are illustrating biblically this idea of I just want to be right with you again. I don't care what it takes. And see, when you have fellowship with God as your aim and you've actually tasted how sweet it is. You don't care what it takes. Wendy is the woman for me. I'm all sold out. I'm all in. Pastor Jim says, if you're in for Jesus, you've pulled out the stops and you'll never be ashamed. He's never met a person who's pulled out all the stops for God and said, wow, I sure regretted doing that. No, it's actually the contrary. I pulled out six of the stops, but I kept four back for myself. And those four bit me into you know where. And now I regret that. Practice fellowship with God in the confession of your sins. Closing in Psalm 51. In the latter verses of 17, he says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. You know, when I come like that to Wendy, she don't kick me out. She's ready to receive me. Her love is real. Her forgiveness is ready. God, on a much higher level, that was assured by the blood of his son, is just like that for you and me who are believers. First John alludes to that and clearly states it. We just don't have time to preach the entire book. Practice fellowship with God in the, in the confession of your sins. Um, keep short accounts with God is like keeping rocks out of our spiritual shoes. It strengthens our bonds with the one who removes the rocks as well as our ability to walk well after him. You know, I... Uh, I have a little cute illustration that you might appreciate. And if you don't, um, too bad. Um, so I have a, I have a, a beautiful family and, and, and four wonderful children. And, and my youngest is three and a half and he still doesn't tie his shoes, which is, is fine. And so often I'm tying his shoes and my back is screaming. And, you know, maybe he needs it to be adjusted or maybe it's getting untied. And, and every so often, because he is a sweet little boy, I'm, I'm bending down, stooped down. And that's what Jesus does to wash our sins. He he washed those disciples' feet, didn't he? John thirteen. He 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 bowed down and let the Father crucify him, didn't he? For your sins, didn't he? So you, I'm I'm doing something much smaller than that. But I'm bowing down, my back hurt, I'm tying shoe, and he'll just he'll just rest his little head on my shoulder, and he'll give me a pat. And 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 what he's telling me, what he's telling me, now you, you 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 say you can't interpret. It. I interpret it the way I want to interpret it. What he's telling me. And he said, Daddy, I see you. You help me fellowship with you. Our fellowship is good. I love you. I appreciate you. And see, when you're that close, we don't want to take all the substance out of the spirituality in our walk. The Bible makes a great deal about the substance in our spirituality. When you're that close, you can lean over and give Jesus a little pat. Say, Lord, I show thank you for taking that rock out of my shoe. Can I get one or two more witnesses in there? I did that for my man, Luke. That's a little call and response preaching. You're not used to that. But anyway, anyway, um, moving right along. Um, so, so let us, the third and the final um, uh, distinction of fellowshipping with God, although, as I mentioned, there are many more, is let us practice fellowship with God as we proclaim Christ to others. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Boy, I wish that were a true confession. Let's just read that one more time just to, just to get fresh uh, water on our minds. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation... as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is a sweet intimacy that you enjoy when you tell others that Jesus Christ came. When you proclaim Christ, you fellowship with God in a unique way. All of us are called to share that good gospel story. Not all of us are called to be pastors. Not all of us are called to be evangelists. But all of us are are a part of the manifold wisdom of God that declares his glory through his church. That points like air traffic controllers with those big beacon lights... Of where people can land their souls for safety. Only in the arms of Jesus. And you will experience. One, one of the reasons I preach the gospel so much is selfishness. I love the fellowship with God who saved me. When I, when I preach that gospel. I'm in a sweet union with my God who saved me. And I'm also in a reminder. That he did save me as I'm pointing to someone else. Who I'm hoping becomes saved like a Laura Rodriguez or whomever. Let us practice fellowship with God as we proclaim Christ to others. And as we begin to land the plane of our time together, it would make no sense at all if I left the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in a concise and compelling way for those of you who may not know him, those of you who may have heard of him, but currently have no fellowship with him. There is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he created all things that are. He created all people in his image, and yet he gave them a choice, their first father and first mother, Adam and Eve, to receive his goodness and his plan and his identity or to reject him for a life of trying to sow fig leaves and fix it on their own. And they rejected him, and they pursued their life of knowing good and evil apart from him. And the consequence was death, spiritual separation from him who is life. And the consequence was eternal death, eternal separation from him who is life. And yet in God's good plan, and in his good wisdom, and in his good love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come in the flesh, born of a virgin living 33 years in Israel, in time, in history, dwelling among us, sinless, always obeying the Father in everything through the Holy Spirit. And then he laid down that perfect life on that Roman cross. No one took it from him. And he laid it down in your place because your consequence for your sins was death. So he took death upon himself so that you would not have to, so that you could be forgiven. And then he was buried in that tomb. And then he rose on the third day victorious, bodily resurrected, not an apparition, not a philosophical musing, not a golden rule, not a list of moral commandments, not a six step way to a Cadillac and a boat. He rose triumphant over sin, the devil and death, and he entreated anybody who would hear the message of his good news that if you believe in Jesus Christ, as Laura Rodriguez stepped up and said this morning, I do, that you will be saved, forgiven, reconciled, permanently connected, born again, sealed by the spirit, and you will be alive with him forevermore. And it starts the moment you give your life to Jesus. That's what first John says. I write to you in 513 who already have eternal life. But he set the premise I want you to remind yourself to have fellowship with him who you've already believed in first John 1 Believe in Christ Maybe you've never heard of him. Well, let me be the first to tell you about him Maybe you've heard of him, but you haven't received him. Let today be the day you do Let's pray Father we come before you in the name of your son in the name above all names. Jesus the christ who came in the flesh who is the son of the very living God, in whom all of us actually sustain our very breath, our very molecules that hold up the makeup of our bones and blood. We praise you and we thank you for your word, and we praise you and thank you that you give us the ability to fellowship with you. What a great joy it is. In Jesus' name, amen.